Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org slash students. We've been in a series called Rise, and we've been talking about rising up to lead. We've been talking about rising up to follow, and we've been talking about rising up to, to uh, reach, to reach out to the people around us. And tonight I want to talk about commitment. I want to talk about you finding who you truly are and finding the reason that you're alive, finding the reason to live. And so I want to do one more checkpoint. If you're staring at your phone, either shut it off or put it in your pocket. You can be a human being without a phone for an hour. You can do it. You can be a human being on this planet in this room for one hour. So, we're talking about reaching, we're talking about rising, we're talking about leading. Tonight we're talking about committing. I think one of the most frustrating things about our lives, I think one of the most frustrating things that we go through is that we feel like we're always playing a guessing game. We feel like we're guessing who we're supposed to be, and we feel like we're guessing what we're supposed to do with our lives. Why are we here? What are we doing? What is the whole purpose of any of this? I think that's frustrating. And what I want you to hear tonight is that when you find where your true identity comes from, when you really know you, where your identity comes from, it ends the guessing game. Tonight, I want the guessing game to end for you. I want you to have peace in your heart when you walk out of this room tonight, that you know who you are and you know why you are here. And that's a tall order. And I think that's why I need you to not be a distraction tonight is because I feel like God really, really, really wants to say something to some people in this room, and don't you dare get in his way. Okay, thank you for being respectful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get started. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these students tuning in. I thank you for the students who actually chose to put their phone away. I thank you for the students that actually chose not to be a distraction tonight because I feel like there are people in this room who absolutely need to know who they are. There are people in this room who absolutely need to know their purpose. And so I pray that you help them see that tonight. It's through your word that this happens. It's not anything I do. It is through your scripture that speaks. It is through your promises that speak. I'm just a broken man trying to find the same things. So help me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tonight we're in 1 John. What's happening in this chapter, what's happening in this letter that he's sending to this church is this church is trying to figure out who they are. They're playing the guessing game. They're trying to figure out, um, am I this person or that person? Am I supposed to be this way or am I supposed to be that way? Is this right or is this wrong? Who should we be? Why are we here? What should we do? And so John is writing to this church saying, I'm going to answer that and it's all about love. I'm going to answer that and it's all about pointing back to the one who made you. And so here's where scripture picks up in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. The love that he lavished on us was through the cross. It was Jesus' sacrifice, dying for our sins. I want you to remember last week to Josh talking about the 18 million in-debt sins that you are or whatever, he, like how Timo did the math and like on average, if you sin twice a second, your lifetime, you have 18 million sins that you owe God for. And then Jesus came and he wiped all that debt out. That's the love that he's talking about lavishing on us because we're children of God and that's who we are. 
The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So you're going to look different. If you step into that identity, if you step into that love of God, your life's going to look different. People are going to be thinking, why are they sitting with the unpopular kids? Why are they going to church on a Wednesday night instead of being online all night gaming? Why, why are they being kind to people that don't deserve kindness? Your life's going to look different if you, are an, if, you, if you are finding your life in Jesus. Dear friends, now we are children of God. That's our identity. And what we, will do, what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we've seen him as he is, saying we've seen the resurrected Jesus, and someday we're working towards that. We're going to see that. We're going to be that. We're going to be with him in that. But for now, while we are on this planet, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure, saying they're taking their lives. We're taking our lives, and we're imitating Jesus. That's our purpose. We found our true identity in Jesus. We found our true identity in being children of God, bought by the love through the cross. And we have a purpose to now imitate Jesus through our lives. One of the most frustrating things, like I said, I think is playing the guessing game. And I believe that truly when you find your identity in Jesus Christ, you can be done playing the guessing game. And here's what I mean by guessing game. We guess what our identity is. A lot of us, whether we're in middle school or high school, we attach it to what we're good at. So my identity is a soccer player. My identity is a volleyball player. My identity is a band kid. My identity is a show choir kid. I'm on the football team. That's who I am. But what if those things get taken away? Who are you then? And then I hope you see in that little, like let's say you're, you're the starting quarterback. You're the football guy, break your leg. Who are you then? Who are you then? That's the guessing game I think we're playing, is we're just guessing who we are. And all this stuff could be taken away from us. The guessing game. And then in the middle of that, we have these things. And I'll, I'm going to tell you a few stories from Africa tonight, which like I... <laughs> I hope you see yourself in them, and I hope you see something new in them. But in Africa, I, I, uh, I didn't have an international plan, so I didn't have this thing. It was basically a brick. I used it as a camera. And when we go back to the hotel, I could, like, squeeze out an iMessage and a WhatsApp text. Like, that was about it. That's the Wi-Fi we had. But something astounding happened. If you've ever gone a week without a phone or a summer without a phone or whatever, you know that all of a sudden you start figuring out who you really are and who the people around you are, and what you like, and, who the, and what they're up to, and what they're doing. And then I came back to the United States. I finally got LTE again. I got on the Wi-Fi, and I started scrolling, got on YouTube, and then all of a sudden, all the insecurity came back. Because, see, when I was in Africa, and I didn't have this thing, I knew exactly who I was, where I was, why I was, and how I was. I knew exactly who was around me, and I knew what I was doing. I had an identity, and I had a purpose, and I was well aware of that. But the second I got this back out and I started scrolling, I started comparing myself to people. And I started thinking, well, maybe I should be more like that person. And then all of a sudden, my identity started to go like this. Or, or you start comparing yourself to the people that you're scrolling through and you're saying, I, I, they're doing that, I should probably do that. These things, these screens take away who we think we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know. And here's how, I pr here's how I can prove that. You know you've gotten this screen out just out of compulsion. There was no notification. You got it out, looked at it, and an hour went by, and you didn't know it happened. You literally woke up from being on your phone. 
Not only is that just human psychology, but the, the apps are actually engineered to do that to you, by the way. You're being manipulated. But we forget who we are, where we are, and why we are. And it gives us so much anxiety. There are people in this room tonight that feel anxiety because they have no idea who they are or where their value comes from. They have no idea. And then you get confused about your purpose. Why should you be alive? What's the whole reason of being here? If this is the main thing, if this is all I am, then what's the point? That's a good question. Do you have reason? Do you have value? Where does it come from? I was in Africa and I was walking through a slum. It looked like this. This was just, this was a rough cut. I was trying to be respectful. I didn't want to like shove my camera into people's faces. And we're driving, we're walking through this slum with a social worker. We're going to visit uh, a lady who has breast cancer and, that I talked about last week. And we're on the way to that, to that shack, that shanty. And I explained to her, I, actually it was when we were coming back because I saw a relationship that I've never seen before. I said, the people of Kenya are never alone. And she goes, yeah, we're always with people. I go, that's so different. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, like in America, we have to pretend to be someone so that people would like us. And then if they find out we're not the person that we're pretending to be, they leave us. And she, like, couldn't understand what I was saying. And I go, no, it's weird. Like, we would rather stare at our phones and be in our basements, like, all day long and then, like, just text each other and not actually see each other's faces. And she was confused. I go, yeah, like, we don't even know our neighbors. We don't know the people we go to class with. Like, we don't know anything more than their first name. And she looked at me and she asked me a question that still haunts me. She looked at me and she said, why would you live like that? And I said, and she wasn't being like condemning. She was like genuinely like, why do you live like that? I said, I, I don't know. I guess we've just always done it like that. I don't, I don't have a reason, right? And so there's this interesting paradigm that's happening in scripture here. Saying that your identity can be given to you as lost as you are and who you are. As lost as you are and why you're alive, it can be given to you through love. And that doesn't really make sense. Like, okay, so we're talking about being children of God. Typically, when we think about becoming a child, it's either birth or, like, purchase. Like, there's some sort of, like, value that happens there. Even adoption costs money. Like, there's some sort of, like, transaction there, right? Like, you have to put in, you have to fill out a bunch of papers. You have to, like, make this commitment, right? And so we don't have this good reference point of, like, becoming sons and daughters of God, we feel like something has to be paid for. We feel like something has to be done more than just love, right? Like love isn't enough. But here's something that is so interesting. Over in Kenya, we were talking about how do I communicate to this kid that I'm sponsoring to go to school that I pray for every day, that I love and I don't even know him. How do I communicate to them how much I love them? Do we say, like, I'm, I'm your American brother? Like, I'm your American dad? Like, how do I explain my role to them? It's very confusing for those kids. The girl we sponsor is four years old. How is she going to make sense of a person's love that she's never met before? And so one of the people on our team asked Mary and Wallace, the two people who started that mission organization that we were working with, they said, what's the, what's the Kenyan word for adoption? Like, how would, I, how would I explain that to my kid that I've adopted them? And Wallace just like stared at her. And then he like started Googling. <laughs> and he goes, there, uh, Swahili in Kenya is like a little broken. There's like not true Swahili. He, he's looking at, he goes, in Kenya, there's no word for adoption. 
There's no word for like making some sort of trade or, or signing papers and now they're your child. There's no word for that. And Mary pipes in and she goes, but here's the difference. She pointed to a guy that was sitting in this corner of the room. She said, him, for example, he was an orphan. And we took him in and we fed him and we gave him a place to sleep and we made sure he got through school. He's a grown man now, preacher. And she goes, whenever someone asks me who that is, I say, that's my son. Just out of love, just out of the way that they loved that boy, now a grown man, they call him their son. And he calls them his mother and his father. A relationship formed just out of love. You see that? The love of God gives you the identity of a child of God when you walk into and accept that relationship. He accepted that relationship because he entered into their home. He's now their son, their daughter. So that's how you get this identity of a child of God. Now I want to tell you one more story. Because I think a lot of us have heard this whole love thing before. And our reference point is some heartbreak that we've had in life. Whether it was a home that was falling apart, whether it was trust that was broken in a friendship, whether it was was a relationship that was supposed to be so meaningful and beautiful, but then it was broken. We have this reference point of love and say, I can't trust anybody anymore. Why would I trust God loving me so that I could become a child of God? Why would, that, why would I do that? And I want to tell you a story about Victoria. And I want you to see yourself in this story because I saw myself in this story. This is a picture of Victoria. Um, we got to meet her. This is the girl we sponsor over there on the right. The kid on the left was a hoop, by the way. That was, that was the girl that we sponsored, Jane and I. And we've been praying for her every day and, and, and we love her. She's just done nothing to earn the love. She lives on the other side of the planet, but we love her. And this whole time we were there, when we first met her, I know it's hard for her to understand, but she never even looked at us. She barely looked at us. And she wouldn't talk to us. She wouldn't laugh. She wouldn't smile. I know it was confusing, but you could also tell that there was some pain there. Like something taught her in her life that she can't trust people who act like they love them. There is there was something that in her life that there was something in her life that hurt her and didn't allow her to feel didn't allow her to feel like um, she could be loved. And so the whole week, the whole week, um, we we kept smiling at her and trying to love her, and we and we kept trying to like make her smile. And she would start doing this thing where she would, here's the next photo, she would, she would look and see if we were there. She would smile for a second, and then she would hide her face. Um, she would hide her face behind a piece of, of paper that she had in her hand. Like she wanted to check if we were there and if we loved her, but then the moment she saw that we loved her, she was afraid. She was ashamed or something. Like something was happening there. And maybe that's where you're at tonight. 
is the times where you look up and you look out is when you come to Element or whatever and you look up to see if God's looking back at you. And you have a moment where you smile. You have a moment where you realize there's a reason to trust here. And then all of a sudden the fear comes. And then all of a sudden the trust, the broken trust comes back to your mind and you shrink back. My love for Victoria didn't change. My love for this kid didn't change. I was never mad at her for this. Obviously something in her story made this that, that way and maybe that's true in your story too. And so here's the closing scene. We were about to leave, we were loading the buses and it was, it was really tough. Like you wouldn't believe the friendships we made in one week, you wouldn't believe it. And I had to go to the bathroom before I got on the bus. It was a long bus ride out of the slums. And so like I, I, I got out of the bathroom, I was heading back to the bus and I just felt this overwhelming feeling that I had to go say goodbye to Victoria so I could tell her I loved her one last time because I don't know if I'll ever see her again. I have no guarantee I'll be able to look her in the eye and go, I love you, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for going to school. I'm so proud of you for working so hard. You color in the lines so good. I had no guarantee I would ever see her again. And so I run because I know I'm holding everybody up. I run to her classroom and I know it's disrespectful to her teacher, but I run into the classroom and she sees me coming and she starts to shrink up and I slide onto my knees and I say, Victoria, I gotta go. I don't know if I'll ever see you again. again. Goodbye. I love you. I'm so proud of you. And all she could do was turn from me and hide her face. And I... Uh, I was so confused by that. But I learned something about God when I was walking away. And parents probably get this. My love for her didn't change because she wouldn't look at me. In fact, I loved her more. And I wanted to fight for her more and I wanted to pray for her more. Do you see that? Maybe you're in here tonight and you're like Victoria. Where God's running to you and sliding on his knees and saying, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I want you to be in my home. I want to love you like you want to be loved. But all you can manage in that moment is just go, I can't, God, I can't, I can't. I can't even look at you. I want to give you hope that God will never give up. He will never start stop sliding on his knees to you to tell you he loves you. But listen, the other side of that is you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid that that trust is going to be broken again. You don't have to be afraid that that love isn't going to come true. You don't have to be afraid that that promise isn't going to be kept. Why? Because Jesus put his money where his mouth was when he got ripped to shreds and hung on a cross saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is because you're taking on the sin, the 18 million sins that every single person on that will ever walk this planet owes. You're taking them right now so that they can go free. So that they can feel my love. You don't have to be afraid. You have the opportunity to step into this relationship, become a child of God, and know who you are. No more guessing games. No more guessing games.
dreams. And in that, you find your purpose to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And your identity isn't as fragile as, okay, what if I don't play football anymore? Okay, what after I graduate high school and I'm not the popular kid anymore? Okay, what if, I, what if my grades actually don't add up to what I think they should or what people think I should get in my grades? Your identity isn't attached to any of that stuff that can be taken away anymore. It's attached to a love that was given to you by a God that loves you, that will chase you and chase you. And he'll never give up. You don't have to be afraid anymore. By simply trusting in that relationship, by stepping into that home, you're a child of God. Would you pray with me, Jesus? I pray that we're no longer crippled by fear. Fear that you will reject us. Fear that we don't belong to you. Fear that you won't fight for us. I pray that our identity, no matter what we think, no matter where we come from, no matter what we think we are, would be first found in you in everything else second. And possibly everything else fatal that we would be able to follow you, step into your home and become your son, your daughter. So that the guessing game ends and that we can know who we truly are. Because God, when we know our true identity, we understand our purpose and why we're in this whole game in the first place. In the first place. I pray that when you were singing that, that you weren't just singing it to make noise. I pray that you actually meant that from your heart. I want, I want to play that video of Victoria hiding her face one more time because I want you to see something. That moment, right there. And then that moment. I don't care how many times you've taken this moment and you've shoved a paper in your face and you've turned away from God. I don't care how many times you've done that because I watch that video and I see my spiritual life. I see the things I've done over the 27 years that I've been alive and how many times I've seen that God is good and that he does love me, but I say I'm too ashamed. I'm too afraid. I don't care how many times you've done that. God is meeting you here tonight. That you don't have to be a slave to that fear. And I want you to see that your identity comes from the love that has been given to you. That you are sons and daughters of God because of that love. And I want you to take the fragile other identities you have, the preferences you have, the sports that you have, the, the groups that you have, the popularity that you have, the whatever you have that you are trying to build your life on. That someday will either be forgotten or broken or lost that you would put that down on a lower shelf and first fix yourself to an identity that cannot be taken away no matter what happens to you in your life nobody can take away that identity there is no identity that I know of that is bulletproof as that child of God and when you do that you're immediately attached to a purpose that cannot be taken away from you see scripture says this 
1 John, this is chapter four. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Do you hear that? We put our trust, we finally trust the love again. God is love and all who love, live in love live in God and God lives in them. See, they have purpose. They're identified with God and they're on purpose with God. And as we live in God, as we do this, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid of the day of judgment. We won't be worried about when that day comes, when our time is up. We won't be worried about who we are, what we've done, or if it was a waste of time because we're attached to an identity and a purpose and knowing your identity ends the guessing game. So we'll not be afraid, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here on this world. So here's my question. Your purpose is now to become imitators of Christ. That people would see you in your life and say, there's something different about that person the way that they love and show respect to everyone, no matter how different they are. People should look at your life and see something strange, but at the same time wanna be around you. And here's a quick test. If people are running from you, you're on the wrong team. If people can't stand to be around you because of the force that you put out shoving people away, all that's left in that is isolation. All that's left is loneliness. Give it up. Give that up. Because here's my question. What are you going to be known for? What are they going to say about you? Man, she was snarky on social media. She had the best comebacks. Man, she got really rich. He was a great football player, man. Or would it be something like, the way that they loved and served me during the hardest time of my life made me think that there was something different about them. And when I was around them, I felt hope and I felt peace. I, felt, I don't know how to describe it. But now that they're gone, I miss them. What are you going to be known for? What's your legacy? What are people going to say about you? What is your identity? What was your purpose? I want you to understand something. Tonight you're going to have the opportunity to rise up. And you're going to have the opportunities to commit to this. To say, I'm going to step into this relationship and this love to become a child of God be a child of God, know my identity, know my purpose, and I'm going to live it. I'm not just going to pay lip service. I'm not just going to do it because I think it's fun. I'm going to actually commit to this. And here's what I have to say. It is so stupid of you if you try to do this alone. You can't do this alone. If I would have tried to go to Africa, to Kenya, to to Karyobangi neighborhood by myself, I would have failed. There's no doubt nothing would have been accomplished, but because I went with people, God did incredible things. And the way we set up Element isn't on accident. 
The reason you have a small group is so that you have hopefully your most encouraging group of people that you get to be with every week to say, hey, I see you change and you're doing great. Hey, I know home life is really rough right now. I'm praying for you. Those are things that should be said in your small group. You can't do this alone. And your coaches, your coaches love you so much that they would leave the people that they love the most, their family, to come love you. In turn, like I'm saying, so that you could become a son or a daughter to them out of love so that they can help you when you need it. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do it alone. That's the whole reason they're here. They don't come here because they're bored. They come here because they love you. And they want to walk with you through this. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone in this. So, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads. My question to you is, will you surrender the guessing game? Will you surrender trying to create your own identity? Will you surrender the fragile things that you hold on so, so tightly until your fingers bleed, but it keeps slipping out of your fingers? Will you surrender your pride Will you surrender the ego to step into a relationship to become a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, the living Savior of the world, so that you have a rock-solid foundation in who you are and a rock-solid purpose that cannot be taken from you? It doesn't matter what you go and do. Go be on the football team. Go be on the quiz bowl team. Go, go get great grades. Go to college. Get a job. But your purpose doesn't change. Your purpose is to imitate Jesus. Your purpose is to show people a love that they've never felt before. Your purpose is to look at the words and the actions of Jesus Christ written in the gospel and saying, that's your map. That's my roadmap. That's my purpose. That's what I am to become like. And I promise you, from the bottom of my heart, we will not at Element stop showing you the roadmap. Every week, we will help you see the roadmap. Every week, we will show you how to imitate Jesus Christ. We will do our best, but we can't do this alone. We can't do this alone. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org slash students.